there are less than six days left to enjoy whatever it is that you enjoy about February. Brevity? The lack of a fifth day? The only month that begins with an F? Either way, soon this year will turn two months old, or a sixth of a way through. Is there a way to determine if time is moving faster, or is that something to ask a philosopher about? These are not the subjects of this episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which is more concerned with documenting some of the items that have happened so far this month. I'm Sean Tubbs, grateful for those who might take an interest. On today's program, former school board member Leah Perrier is elected to the Charlottesville City Council by council to serve as their fifth member through the end of 2023. Jennifer McClellan wins election to Virginia's fourth congressional district, David Brown drops out of the House District 54 race. Albemarle police are investigating a homicide near Azalea Park, south of I-64. And the Charlottesville Planning Commission provides some questions about the draft zoning code in advance of three open houses this week. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Want to learn how to help our unhoused neighbors find affordable, permanent housing? Livable Seaville is hosting a webinar, Homelessness in Charlottesville is a Housing Problem, on March 1st at 6.30 p.m. The online event will feature Dr. Greg Colborn, Assistant Professor of Real Estate at the University of Washington and co-author of the groundbreaking book, Homelessness is a Housing Problem. He will discuss his research into the causes of homelessness and solutions. The discussion will explore connections between homelessness, the Charlottesville area housing market, and the Seville plans in Albemarle County 2044 projects. Charlottesville City Council has selected a former member of the Charlottesville School Board to fill out the unexpired term of former councillor Cena McGill. The election by the four remaining councillors took place at the beginning of their meeting last night. Here is Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook, followed by Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. Is there a motion for the appointment? Yes, Mr. Mayor. I move that we uh, that the City Council appoint Leah Peria for their um, un- term, uncompleted term for uh, Cena McGill. The vote was unanimous, and per year was sworn in immediately, but she will not actually begin her term until February 27th, when the human resources paperwork is complete. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to all of the council members for all the time and energy and effort you put into this process. I'd like to say thank you to all 19 people plus myself that apply and to those of us that made the final round. I had some very tough competition and I was very much aware of that, but I am willing to do the work and roll up my sleeves and get started. Per year is the director of the Uplift at UVA program, which used to be named Upward Bound. Counselors thanked all of those who applied for the position. Here is Counselor Brian Pinkston. Makes us feel good about the city and the future that we have. We have particularly some newer folks that have, that have expressed interest in service. Vice Mayor Wade served four terms on the school board alongside Per Year. Both won races in 2006 as part of the first elected school board race in Charlottesville. This was difficult, and, and you know, this is um, a 
trust that the public gave to us to make this decision um, for the next 10 months or so, and it's not it's something that we did not um, take lightly as we went through this um, um, discussion. The first council meeting that Perrier is eligible to attend as a councillor will be next Tuesday, when council will have a joint work session with the Planning Commission on the first module of the draft zoning code. Perrier had gone first during the February 6th city council meeting, when applicants on the shortlist had up to eight minutes to have their say. Here is the entire section of that meeting, so you can hear it all right now. November 1980. I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia. And let me say, it has been an exciting time. I have grown professionally and personally. I have watched Charlottesville grow. We all have experienced difficult times, but through those times, we have all learned. It is my hope that Charlottesville will continue to be a community that understands the importance of diversity. For me, many talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But for me, it is inclusion. I work with students and families every day. And they get to the door, and the door is opened. And I hope that they have gained the ability to advocate for themselves, to be a part, to be included. As a member of council sitting on the dais, I will be at the table. I will be included. But more importantly, I will be respected. I will be heard. I will be able to participate. I will practice effective listening. We must listen. We must hear what our community is saying, whether they're students, whether they're parents, or other stakeholders. In my four decades of living here, I have had the opportunity as a higher education administrator to work with some of you in this room. We've been on boards. We've done community work together. As counselors, I've worked with you on budgets, not only for the city schools, but budgets for some of the nonprofit organizations that I have worked with. I have developed relationships, and these relationships will carry over they are relationships not only in the city, but at the University of Virginia and in the county. The three of us must work together. We must collaborate. We must partner. I want to be your mirror. I want to be the new set of eyes that will look at the budget, will help you develop the budget, will help you implement the budget. I will be the set of eyes that will look at our personnel policies, our HR strategies, and help you 
make those strategies be the things that our city manager currently needs to fill all of the vacancies that we have to fill. And I'm sure we can do that. It is not only having a resume that checks off all the boxes. It is having a resume where the person has done the work. All of the things that you know of me, that you've seen of me, that you've heard of me, tells you that I will roll up my sleeves and I will do the work. Life ain't been no crystal stair, but still I rise. I'm the salmon that swims upstream. I show up, I show up early, and I am prepared for whatever is presented. To be afforded the opportunity to join you on council allows me another challenge, another challenge that I am up for, to learn all that there is to know about ordinances and zoning and budgeting and finance. Explore new horizons, but more importantly, develop compassion and show our community, our citizens, regardless of where you're from, that it is more than lip service to care. We must roll up our sleeves, we must get in there, and we have to do the work. Charlottesville, compassion, caring, critical thinking, analysis, all of those things are Leah per year for the vacant seat of Cena McGill. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Perrier. Again, per year's first eligible meeting will be next Tuesday at the Charlottesville Planning Commission City Council Joint Work Session. State Senator Jennifer McClellan received three out of four votes in yesterday's special election to select a new representative to the 4th District for the U.S. House in Congress. According to the incomplete election night results, Democrat McClellan got 80,752 votes compared to 27,939 for Republican Leon Benjamin. McClellan was first elected to the 71st District in the Virginia House of Delegates in 2005, where she served until being elected to the Senate in 2017 in a special election to replace Donald McEachin, who had won election to the U.S. House that previous November. McEachin died in November, kicking off the special election that was held yesterday. McClellan becomes the first black woman to be elected to Congress in Virginia. In a statement, at her campaign victory speech last night, McClellan said that while she was in Richmond, she helped pass the Voting Rights Act, the Virginia Clean Economy Act, and the Domestic Workers' Bill of Rights. She said that all of that work needs to be done in Washington. McClellan had also run for the Democratic nomination for governor in 2021. And then there were four, though that number could still change. 
Former Charlottesville City Councilor David Brown has dropped out of the race for the Democratic nomination for House District 54. In an email to supporters, he said it will be a very competitive primary, and he said he is not prepared to make the sacrifices necessary to succeed. He said he will continue to be involved about the serious challenges faced, but will look for opportunities locally instead of in Richmond. Brown served two terms on council from 2004 to the end of 2011. He spent the last several years as director of the Virginia Department of Health Professions before Governor Glenn Youngkin appointed a replacement last November. Before that, Brown spent two years as an assistant to former delegate David Toscano. The four candidates in the race for the Democratic nomination in the June 20th primary are former city council candidate Bellamy Brown, Albemarle School Board member Katrina Carlson, Fifeville resident Deshad Cooper, and former city councilor Dave Norris. In another part of his statement, Brown said that he hopes whoever gets elected, they will be an advocate for campaign finance reform. The Albemarle County Police Department is investigating a murder that took place last night. At around 9.42 p.m., police responded to a shots-fired call on Timberland Lane near Azalea Park, just south of Interstate 64. When they arrived, they found 34-year-old Joshua Lamont Jones of Charlottesville, who had been struck by gunfire. Jones was transported to the University of Virginia Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead. Police continue to investigate the incident. On February 15th, officers responded to another shots-fired incident in the nearby Cavalier Crossing apartment complex and have been conducting extra patrols in the area. That's according to information available through the Citizen Connect portal run by the Charlottesville Albemarle UVA Emergency Communications Center. This is an ongoing investigation. More in the future. But you're listening right now to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, if you are cleaning out your garage, basement, or garden shed as the spring approaches, the Piedmont Master Gardeners will gladly take any yard and garden equipment that you no longer need. PMG is now accepting donations of new and used tools, hoses, decorative items, outdoor furniture, virtually anything that might be used to create, maintain, and enjoy a garden. These green elephants will be offered for sale to the public during PMG's spring plant sale. Donated items may be dropped off at 402 Albemarle Square between 10 a.m. and noon on Tuesdays and Saturdays through the end of April. PMG is not able to accept plastic pots or opened chemicals. To arrange a pickup or for more information, contact the Piedmont Master Gardeners at greenelephant at piedmontmastergardeners.org. As for that sale, mark your calendar for Saturday, May 6th at Albemarle Square Shopping Center. One big story for the rest of the day today, and it's on zoning. Tonight, the city of Charlottesville begins the first of three open houses on the first module of the draft zoning code. For a recap, go back and listen to the Charlottesville Community Engagement from February 4th, which was produced within 24 hours of the new draft rules being released. The first open house is at Charlottesville High School tonight at 6 p.m., with the second tomorrow night at Buford Middle School at 6 p.m. I will be at that one. Then on Saturday, the final open house will be held at 11 a.m. at City Space. These meetings are all informal and offer a chance to talk to staff about the work. 
If you are new at this and did not do what I said, go back and listen to the other one, the changes to the city's zoning ordinance are the third leg in the Seville Plans Together initiative, which is intended to create more housing units across the city and to also introduce rules to require a portion of them be reserved for people with incomes less than 60% of the area median income. The Charlottesville Planning Commission has helped steer the process and had a chance to offer initial feedback and pose some questions on the new zoning module at their meeting on February 14, 2023. That was all in preparation for their work session with City Council on February 28. Here is James Fries, the City's Director of Neighborhood Development Services. The questions we, we, we provided as a prompt is, what have you been hearing from the community on the zoning ordinance materials? Um, topics for uh, in-depth discussion on the 28th, and questions for exploration on the 28th. The first question was on affordability. As written at the moment, a property owner in a residential A zone could build up to four units without providing affordable units. Residential B could build up to six units, and residential C could build up to eight units by right. Each could get double that amount if they agree to designate all of the units as affordable. Module two will have the detailed actual ordinance language that implements that. Fries said that will also include details on the inclusionary zoning. The other thing we'll have as part of module two is a separate module two is a separate document, which will be our manual for implementing the inclusionary zoning. So that'll actually have the the rules of, of how the game is played. Commissioner Phil Duranzio said there needed to be more information for the areas designated in the future land use map for protection of black residents and property owners. There's a lot of reference to this proposed tentative sensitive areas overlay that we're thinking about, thinking about. Yep. Um, I'd like to get one level less abstraction on that. Right now, there do not appear to be any policy interventions to stop these properties from transferring. Since the adoption of the comprehensive plan, several of these parcels have been flipped. Here are some examples from 2022. A couple bought 708 West Street on January 7th for $250,000 and then sold it on December 2nd, 2022 for $510,000. A two-bedroom house in the 800 block of King Street in the Fifeville neighborhood sold for $305,000 in January. A three-bedroom house on 7.5th Street in Fifeville within the sensitive communities area sold for $522,000. An entity known as Visions of Love, LLC, paid $400,000 for 856 Nall Street on February 15th. A couple paid $645,000 for 723 West Street on March 21st. A vacant lot on Concord Avenue, where a building was demolished in 2020, sold for $200,000 on June 9th. One half of a duplex on Bailey Road was purchased for $140,000 on June 14th by Aspiring Developments, LLC, and sold in December for $270,000. And finally, for this example, and there are many more, a three-bedroom house on Henry Avenue in the Rose Hill neighborhood sold for $429,000. That was 71.12% over the 22 assessment of $250,700. It still is not yet known if the existing site plans under review will be grandfathered when the zoning code is adopted. 
The city currently does not have a city attorney and is relying on the firm Pandak and Taves for land use issues. Commissioner Kareem Habab had this thought on the issue. My opinion would be that it would be, you know, if someone put a lot of work into doing something and it's already in review, that means a lot was invested in it. And it would be kind of wild to be like, go back to the drawing board. But you also got to figure out where you draw those lines. The new zoning introduces the concept of the sublot, which might allow for more homeownership opportunities. Commissioner Carl Schwartz had questions. Does it work? Will it, what conditions would it not work? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what is, um, when would the fire department say, no, you can't do that? Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg shared what he has heard from people in the community. I've heard people express concern uh, about the prohibition on front yard uh, parking, including driveways. Um, I know for a lot of the small scale residential forms we have in the city now, uh, people have driveways in front uh, that they park in. Stolzenberg said he's also heard positive things about allowing restaurants and coffee shops in residential B and residential C zones with a special use permit. He also said he looks forward to a more detailed conversation about affordability. Still have a lot of heartburn uh, about the height reduction uh, we're contemplating in the RA zone relative to the current R zones. One topic for the 28th will be when special use permits can be used. Fries said these will be more about whether a particular use should be allowed rather than for asking for more building space and scale, which is how it's done now. The non-voting commissioner, who represents the University of Virginia, had one concern to share. Some of the districts have uh, unlimited units, and I think that's hard for me to get my head around. Palmer acknowledged that there would be limits in the building code based on size of bedrooms, but he said seeing the word unlimited may be jarring to many community members. Now, what do you think? This is the end of that particular section because they're going to come back. The planning commission is going to come back next week and talk about that. I want to hear what people have to say, even though I might not be able to get it into a story. As I said, I will be there tomorrow night. I'll have a microphone for anybody who wants to talk to me, at least for as long as I'm there. Uh, I guess I have to get used to getting out of my house again. Oh, well. But that is the end of this particular installment of the program. And there is a need to get these ending points down in size for the podcast. I've got about a minute in the new ending song before I have to begin looping it. That's definitely possible, but I don't really know how to make it work well yet. Thank you to those helping to cover my costs to produce the show, as well as other things I create under the Town Crier Productions banner. That doesn't include Sevopedia, which is just something I work on. You can, too, at tomorrow's Edit-a-thon details and Facebook post that's in the newsletter. Paid subscribers through Substack also help me qualify for additional revenue from Ting in the form of a sponsorship where they will match your initial payment. Sign up for Ting and put in the promo code COMMUNITY and you'll get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Rocky for the music and to PJ Sykes for the opening theme. We share it all so we can keep growing the audience, particularly the podcast, because come on, goddammit, listen to this endpoint. It's awesome!
Sean Tubbs. Thank you.